Welcome to the Minor League Sports Town Podcast with your host, Tony. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the Minor League Sports Town Podcast. My name is Tony, and I am the host of the podcast, and I would just like to say, uh, hopefully, welcome back to everybody that's listening. I hope everybody had the opportunity to check out episode one of the podcast, which was more of an introduction to the podcast, described uh, what the podcast is going to be about, and also gave a little bit of a history of why it is called the Minor League Sports Town Podcast. I did hear from a few people that listened to it and and said that, oh, that's kind of a a funny um, and clever story to why it's named this way. Also, uh, when I was sharing uh, the, the podcast information out on socials. I had a couple people that before they listened to it comment and say, Oh, great. I've been, you know, looking forward to, to having a podcast about minor league baseball or, or minor leagues and other sports and had to break the news to say, well, actually it's, it's not uh, a minor league, actual minor league, um, podcast or, or my a podcast covering the minor leagues, but more a podcast is actually covering DC sports. Um, but if you have not gotten the opportunity, to check that out yet. Uh, yeah, listen to episode one. It's a short one. Uh, it's 15 minutes. Just gives you a little bit of an introductory um, to the podcast and uh, hope you enjoy it. So what I wanted to do with episode two of the podcast is I wanted to cover the Washington Nationals 2021 season and just kind of dissect the season. Um, they just wrapped up play about a week ago. And had a little bit of time to digest everything, so I wanted to just recap the season, uh, talk about what the expectations were going into it, um, what went wrong (laughs) in the season, and then uh, discuss the moves that were made at the trade deadline, and then talk about where do we go from here. So let's get started. The Nationals were really banking on two things to happen in order for this team to find their way back into the playoffs. Uh, number one, they were expecting the players on the team that either they were acquired in the offseason or were already on the team um, that had down 2020 seasons to revert back to their 20, uh, 2019 versions of themselves. Uh, so players like Kyle Schwarber, who they had picked up uh, in free agency, uh, from the Chicago Cubs, struggled in 2020, but had a good 2019. Josh Bell, who they got in a trade uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, struggled in 2020, but had the best year of his career in 2019. John Lester from the Chicago Cubs, struggled in 2020, was at least adequate in 2019. And even players like Victor Robles, uh, who, you know, was was at least a, a, an adequate player in 2019, during the World Series run, um, and Carter Keboom, even though he hadn't had major league ex- uh, success, uh, he was good in the minors in 2019. So they were kind of banking on those guys to be able to revert back to what they had shown in 2019, um, and you know, and and have good performances um, rather than just be uh, a continuation of the 2020 versions of themselves. So that was number one, what they were banking on. The Nationals were also banking on players being healthy uh, that hadn't been in 2020. So the main one being Steven Steven Strasburg, who, of course, was the 
2019 World Series MVP, but then only pitched in five innings in the 2020 season uh, before undergoing procedures to try to fix things in his his he had carpal tunnel uh, surgery to because he was uh, not having or having numbness and lacking feeling in his fingers. Um, different things like that. They were hoping that hopefully the surgeries um, had taken and that he would, you know, have help and be able to pitch um, like he had in 2019. So those were a couple of things that they were banking on. And there were varying degrees of success for both of those. Uh, so first off, players reverting back to their 2019 stats. I, w- I think it's more than fair to say that both um, Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber had reverted back to their 2019 versions of themselves. Uh, both of them had uh, OPSs over uh, 800. Um, even though Josh Bell started off really slow, uh, you know he had re- gotten COVID at the beginning of the season, which kind of took him out of um, the hot streak he was on in training camp, and it took him a month and a half to kind of get back into the swing of things. But then uh, after May 13th, he was he was really good for this team. And then Kyle Schwarber came back and was hitting home runs like crazy and actually went on a historic home run streak, uh, which really propelled the Nationals kind of in the early part of the season. They actually, because of his historic home run streak when he was hitting leadoff and hitting bombs, he actually got the Nationals to two games over 500 at 42 and 40 uh, in this season about mid, you know midway through the season which you know gave some hope that the Nationals could actually win the division um you know because the rest of the division wasn't doing too well and the Nationals were able to claw themselves back uh but so you had their uh success for Josh Bell and for Kyle Schwarber but then on the flip side of the coin players that did not uh kind of get back to the their their 2000 19 versions themselves. Uh, John Lester struggled at times. He was he was decent for a while, and then um, kind of towards the end of his tenure with the Nationals, uh, really started to struggle. Was not going deep into games, which is really what they had signed John Lester to do would be an innings eater uh, kind of guy. But he was getting pulled in the fourth inning, fifth inning, uh, just because he was his command was off. He was walking guys. Uh, his stuff was just uh, pretty ineffective. Uh, to be able to go long into games. So he didn't really revert back to his 2019 version of himself. Victor Robles continued to struggle. Uh, You know, even though he was showing more uh, uh, plate discipline, his average exit velocity on baseball savant, he was in like one, the one percent percentile for that. Uh, He was not making good contact whatsoever, even though he wasn't being as uh, aggressive and striking out as much at the plate. Um, he was not doing much with the pitches that he did get that were hittable. Uh, so he didn't kind of he didn't revert back to his 2019 version of himself. Carter Keboom, he didn't even make it as the starting third baseman of his team, unfortunately. Uh, they ended up going with uh, Starlin Castro to uh, start the season at third base and then having Josh uh, Harrison, who is supposed to be more of like a bench player and utility role, be the everyday starting second um, baseman for this team. So Carter went down to the minors and kind of struggled, started off slow, got a little bit better, uh, ended up coming back later in the season, but uh, he hadn't really reverted back to himself either. And then the big injury issue that we had, Steven Strasburg, who, as I said, only pitched five innings, 
um, in 2020, I guess made somewhat progress this year, but only pitched 21.2 innings before having to get shut down and receive a surgery that um, could really change the course of his career. We'll have to see um, how he looks and how he feels going into next year, but had some major surgery for uh, his shoulder and did not pitch the rest of the year. Uh, you also had injury issues with Kyle Schwarber, uh, who on a on a hit uh, that he was trying to stretch into a double, rounded first base, and ended up injuring his hamstring uh, pretty significantly, where he actually never played another game uh, in a Nationals uniform after suffering that injury. And when he went down, um, you know, as well as when Strasburg went down, I think the the major thing that was kind of brought to light and kind of exposed within the Nationals organization was that they lacked depth. Uh, and they didn't have anybody that could really come in and and, and cover uh, for these guys and step in and, and be as effective as these guys. Now, not to say that players like Yadiel Hernandez, who came in and played left field, um, you know, that he did a bad job. I actually thought that Yadiel did, did a fine job, but he wasn't, you know, the home run power hitter that Kyle Schwarber was uh, that the Nationals needed just to stay afloat in the division. Um, and they didn't have anybody really to, to cover for uh, Steven Strasburg in his starting position. I mean, you know, I, I, I give applause to the the players that came in and did the best that they could. Your Paulo Espinos, uh, who was, you know, effective uh, for a lot of his starts uh, with, the, with the team. Um, you know, uh, other guys that kind of came in and, and did their best to to try to eat innings and, and, you know, spot start and things like that. But there just wasn't anybody that could really take over, uh, even though the Nationals have some highly regarded pitching prospects in their organization. They were still in, you know, high A, low A. Um, they were, you know, years away from being ready. Uh, so they just didn't really have anybody to, to take that position, unfortunately. And, and it showed. So, you know, with the, the Nationals being ineffective, uh, not winning games, struggling to keep afloat in the division, and then just realizing we don't have a farm system that is anywhere near ready to contribute uh, to the major league team. Uh, you know, things were the Nationals really did have to take a hard look at themselves and the state of their organization coming up on the trade deadline. Uh, so Mike Rizzo, you know, he was asked about it coming into the the trade deadline and. And, you know, the, he was asked questions about, are the Nationals going to be sellers? Are you moving on from Max Scherzer? Different things like that. Um, and, and and Mike, uh, you know, basically said he didn't want to commit to anything, but he, he kind of put it back on the team and he put it back on the players and the coaching staff and said, it's really going to depend on these, like, next two weeks uh, before we get into the playoffs. Are, are the Nationals going to start winning games and put themselves in a position to possibly challenge for the division to try to get into the playoffs? Or are they going to continue the same struggle of not driving in runners and scoring position and, and the bullpen not being able to hold leads or keep games close or starters not going deep into their starts? Um, you know, are, are they going to keep that trend? Or are they going to actually turn it around and start to figure out some things and play in a way that, you know, Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez thought that they were capable of playing. And I think the nail in the coffin, unfortunately, was about a week out from the trade deadline. Uh, the Nationals had a series at Baltimore against the Orioles. And, you know, it's a series that 
the Nationals in the midst of, or sorry, excuse me, the Orioles in the midst of their rebuild, um, you know, they, they should have lost that series. The Nationals should be able to go into Baltimore and sweep the Orioles or at the very minimum win two out of three games, um, you know, in Baltimore uh, and facing a rebuilding team in the Orioles. And unfortunately, the Nationals were swept by the Orioles in that series. And that just kind of hammered home the fact that this team was not going to go anywhere. Um, you know, even though they had great individual players on the team, just things were, were not working out for them. So that, that I think, really kind of propelled um, the decision to go ahead and sell uh, to be sellers at the trade deadline and to um, sell the starters that they had, uh, especially those that were on, you know, expiring contracts, uh, to trade them in return for prospects that will hopefully, um, you know, uh, contribute to the future success of this franchise. So the big trades that were made uh, were, of course, the one with the L.A. Dodgers, where the Nationals traded Max Scherzer, uh, who was on expiring contract, and, in a little bit of a shocker, Trey Turner, uh, who was not on an expiring contract. He's actually signed through the 2022 season. Um, they traded both of them for uh, a four-player uh, package of prospects from uh, the Dodgers. The headliners of the, the trade uh, coming back in return from the Dodgers uh, were uh, catcher Kiber Ruiz and then uh, right-handed starting pitcher Josiah Gray. And uh, I think the reason that the Nationals targeted them and Mike Rizzo targeted those those couple guys uh, in the trade uh, among the other offers that they had from San Diego and whoever else was in play was that both Ruiz and Gray are close to major league ready so they're still young they're still prospects they're unproven but they were already in the AAA um farm system of LA uh, they were already pretty much ready to go so there are players that going forward uh, you know of course the the end of 20 uh, post deadline the end of 2021 but then going forward in 2022 season both of those guys are expected to be starters uh, so they they made the trade um, unfortunately had to say goodbye to Max Scherzer and to Trey Turner but uh, did get some pieces in return, especially with those two guys coming in. They'll hopefully be cornerstones within this organization going forward. So they traded them away. Um, Mike Rizzo had also packaged Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison and traded them uh, to the Oakland Athletics in return for a package of uh, pre uh, catcher prospect and two pitching prospects. Uh, we traded John Lester to... Um, St. Louis in exchange for center fielder Lane Thomas, who the Cardinals had kind of given up on, but has shown plenty of life here in D.C. Um, they traded the oftentimes struggling Brad Hand to the Toronto Blue Jays uh, in exchange for catching prospect Riley Adams, uh, who played well uh, for the Nationals in 2021. Uh, they traded Kyle Schwarber to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for a pitching prospect, uh, and they traded um, they traded also uh, Daniel Hudson, excuse me, Daniel Hudson. Uh, they had traded him to the Padres um, for uh, a pitching prospect and a, and a shortstop prospect. So eight guys out out of the organization and brought in some, uh, you know, some guys that were going to be uh, major league, close to major league ready. Uh, other guys will be a little bit more of um, projects going through the minor league system, but the Nationals decided to look for towards the future uh, and try to 
rebuild and make it a relatively short rebuild by getting some players that are close to major league ready. Uh, but you know, to, to trade away the stars and basically leaving this team with Juan Soto as the main recognizable face on the, on the, on the, in, in the ballpark or on the field, um, pretty much every day. Um, and then just a bunch of other younger guys. But that being said, you know, we, we had players that come in and, get playing time now after those veterans were moved uh, for pitching prospects. So you had guys come up like Luis Garcia, um, Carter Keeboom, uh, you had Riley Adams, Kibea Ruiz, Tres Barrera, all at catcher, uh, Yadiel Hernandez, even though he's not a young guy, uh, still pretty fresh, uh, only, you know, limited amount of time uh, in the majors, but him getting a shot, Lane Thomas playing, who they acquired. Um, so you had you had those kind of those guys come in, and and the to their credit, um, the great thing is is that the Nationals pre deadline had led the National League in batting average, and post deadline, the Nationals had as a team had the same batting average as they did pre deadline. So. The replacement guys that came in for the Jan Gomes and and Josh Harrison and Kyle Schwarber, uh, you know, all those kind of guys, uh, they came in, the, the replacement players came in and actually uh, did the job. They actually kind of matched that, that batting average, at least, from those guys. So um, the offense is giving you a lot of hope going forward. Uh, it looks like there's some guys that we now have on this team, some young guys that have the ability to hit major league pitching, uh, which will definitely help this team going forward. So there's a lot to like about the potential uh, for what players we already have that might be able to stay and contribute to this team's success going forward. Um, on the flip side of that, though, there is plenty of work to be done in the bullpen. Um, the Nationals were capable of winning... Uh, a lot more games than the 65 games that they did win this year, um, if the bullpen had just been, honestly, had even been mediocre. Um, <laughs> the bullpen was straight up bad this year. Um, some of that is just getting a look at younger guys, um, your Mason Thompsons who you got in a trade, uh, in, uh, Kyle Finnegan's still pretty young, utilizing him, down years from Wander Suero, from Tanner Rainey, um, uh, Murphy, Patrick Murphy was another guy that they picked up on waivers. You know, they're just getting looks at different guys that aren't used to pitching in the major league level. And, uh, you know, they, they struggled. Um, there's no way around it. I think ultimately it might help in their development to kind of get that experience. And hopefully they, they figure out who can be longer term solutions for this bullpen going forward. Um, but they, there definitely were a lot of blown leads, a lot of close games that were blown open once the game got turned over to the, the bullpen. Um, starting pitching wasn't always great either. Kyle, uh, uh, sorry, excuse me, Patrick Corbin had a really down year, um, struggled for most of it and struggled mightily. Hopefully he can bounce back going forward because he's still under contract for a good chunk of money uh, for the next few years. So hopefully he can get things figured out. Um, Josiah Gray had kind of an up and down experience at the major league level, but has shown flashes that th th uh, that kind of show that he can be a reliable um, number two or number three pitcher within this rotation. So it, all in all, it was a growth season. 
Uh, it was a season that, you know, I I personally found pretty enjoyable after the trade deadline just because I, I like being able to see these young guys prove themselves um, and, and try to see where they're strong at, what they need to work on. But, but honestly, just hopefully, hoping beyond doubt that uh, they can they can contribute to this team going forward. So I think it was the right move, even though it hurt um, to see it at the time. I think it was, it was the right move going forward to, to make sure that this team has continued success. Uh, they've also, because of their bad record, have, um, have secured the fifth pick in next year's draft, unless the CBA changes how the draft uh, process and order is determined. Uh, but they should be able to get a, um, a good player and hopefully a player that they can develop and um, can really help them out in the future with the fifth pick in next year's draft. They're already looking uh, at signing a couple of highly ranked um, uh, outfielders uh, in the international draft class or international free agent class. So uh, they're they're looking at adding a couple people there and just continuing to build up the the farm system. And then one thing that I'm really excited about is that uh, Mike Rizzo is, has said at least publicly um, that he's dedicated to kind of revamping the player development and scouting. Uh, departments within the Nationals organization. This is uh, those are both departments that have remained mostly unchanged throughout like the last ten years. Uh, so Mike Rizzo is seeing that besides the sure, like like the surefire players that they were able to draft your Bryce Harpers, your Steven Strasburgs, your Anthony Rendones, those guys that are like, oh, you can't miss on this prospect. Uh, the guys that they're getting like in the second round or, or players that they um, drafted, uh, you know, at later first round picks like Eric Fetty or guys in early second round like uh, Andrew Stevenson, those type of players that have come up, um, they just haven't had that much success. So Mike Rizzo has kind of taken this opportunity of, okay, we're going through a rebuild. We really need to make sure that we're getting our players and these prospects that we're getting, we're, that we're training them the right way. Uh, and that we're really working into investing into their development so that they can reach, um, you know, they, they can reach the, the big leagues and reach their potential. Uh, so that to me is something that's really encouraging, something I'm fully on board with. They've already um, moved some people around within the organization. Some some people have been relieved of their duties. that had to deal with those departments. Uh, they're making changes where um, they have uh, Nationals first uh, first base coach and third base coach might be uh, reassigned to work within the organization and uh, within the player development um, department. So yeah, I think that is, is going to be good going forward uh, with the nationals and um, you know, the roster I think is pretty much set uh, for, for how it's going to look next year. Um, I, I think that you're going to have a, a battle, kind of a position player battle next year for the starting center field position between Lane Thomas and Victor Robles. Um, you know, I think only one of them starts and the other person kind of becomes the fourth outfielder. Uh, but Lane Thomas looks good in his time with the Nationals this year. Victor Robles struggled, but then went down to AAA and looked like he was gaining confidence again. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of have to see in spring training how that shapes up on there. Um, Key Bear Ruiz is going to be your starting catcher with Riley Adams backing him up. 
Juan Soto, of course, is going to be your starting right fielder and continue on another MVP campaign, hopefully, next year. Uh, Josh Bell will be your starting first baseman unless they trade him the offseason, but I am not in favor of that. I'd rather keep Josh Bell around and, uh, until at least midseason next year. Um, if the if we actually do get the designated hitter in the NL um, because of the collective bargaining agreement that's coming up, I think Yadiel Hernandez should be a candidate for that, along with maybe Mike Ford, who they picked up from waivers um, from the Rays as a power-hitting uh, left-handed bat. So both of those guys could be, um, you know, a potential fit a designated hitter. Uh, you'll have Luis Garcia at second base. I still think Carter Keboom gets a shot at third base again. Um, you know, all in all, he still only has like a season's worth of major league at-bats. So I think he gets one final shot next year to be the third baseman. They're, they're still not going to probably compete for the division this next year. Uh, it's still going to be kind of a, a growth um, opportunity for players as we rebuild. So I think that Carter Keboom gets a final shot at third base, hopefully can run with it and find success at third base. Uh, so we'll keep an eye out for that. And then they've already re-signed um, Alcides Escobar for a shortstop. I don't, I'm not 100% sold that they don't also address shortstop in free agency. However, I don't think it's going to be one of those um, free agent shortstops. Like, it's a very deep free agent shortstop class. Um, it's not going to be one of the, the, the main guys like you have with uh, Corey Seager and Trevor Story and Javier Baez and, and all those guys. I don't think they go after any of the, the, the big money are guys there, but I could see them signing somebody like Jose Iglesias, um, who was with the Angels for most of the year and then went to the, the Red Sox. I could see them maybe signing him and then having um, options at shortstop between Iglesias and Escobar uh, between them. Left field, I think, is still something to um, address. So I think uh, signing somebody, an older player, to a short-term deal that could be traded if you need to, um, but somebody like a Tommy Pham, I think, could be an option for left field and fits in this lineup. So uh, we'll have to see how the Mike Rizzo approaches the left field um, opening there and see how that kind of goes. Uh, and then as far as uh, the rotation goes for next year, you're going to have Patrick Corbin. Hopefully he can rebound and be uh, the guy that the Nationals signed him to be and be an effective left-handed starting pitcher. Uh, Steven Strasburg... Coming back from the injury, it's really hard to say what you're going to get with Strasburg. Um, I'm hoping that he's fully healthy. I'm hope hopefully he can be effective still, um, but it's really just kind of a question mark. I don't doubt that he'll get a shot at it. Um, you know, they'll at least try to get him into the rotation and start every five games, but it's just a lot to remain to be seen on, on Steven Strasburg's health and his effectiveness going forward. Uh, but you'll definitely see Josiah Gray in that uh, rotation full-time next year. Hopefully, just continues to build upon what he learned throughout this year. Um, and then the last couple spots, I think, might be addressed through free agency. It, it's, no, it's no secret that the Nationals need starting pitching depth. It was exposed this year. So I could definitely see the Nationals going after a couple of guys that 
um, had down years last year and kind of uh, approve and signed them to one year prove it deals, uh, where they sign a short year deal, hopefully show success, and then you know can sign a more lucrative deal next year. And for the Nationals, it'd be players that you're signing to one year deals, hoping that they have success, and they would possibly be uh, trade chips. Um, you know, at the trade deadline going forward. So a couple guys I'm keeping eye, uh, my eye on are Danny Duffy, um, who last pitched for the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, came from Kansas City. He's a left-handed pitcher. He was injured um, for the later half of the year, so I think that he might be looking for a kind of a prove-it deal, show that he's healthy and effective. Um, so a little bit older pitcher, but I could see him kind of getting um, going to the Nationals on a one-year deal. And then a little bit of a younger guy, but Zach Davies, uh, who used to pitch for the San Diego Padres and then went to the Chicago Cubs, had a really down year with the Cubs this year as a free agent. Um, let, he's under 30. I think he might be like 29, 28 years old. Uh, but I think the Nationals could sign him to a one-year deal, and he would be somebody that they could – you know, hopefully he can turn it around. They could either trade him or they could look to lock him up for a little bit of a longer term deal um, going forward since he is a little bit of a younger pitcher and could maybe be that fourth, fifth starter for this rotation going forward. But I think that they they have to they have to at least sign a couple starting pitchers. Um, and 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 that doesn't mean that they are necessarily going to start. I think guys like Josh Rogers, uh, who did really well when he got called up to the majors, um, you know, that he's going to have the shot to knock, nail down that fifth spot or at the very least kind of be the next man up in a rotation if they suffer an injury or Strasburg can't go or whatever it is. Um, they just need to have depth, though. Um, Cade Cavalli, I don't expect to be in this rotation starting next year, possibly a call-up at some point, but I'm thinking that he's more full-time starter in 2023. Um, but yeah, so we'll just kind of have to see how they go. And then they need to figure out what they're doing with the bullpen. Um, maybe signing a couple guys would be good. I still think you have to give opportunity to some of the guys you were looking at, um, last year to see if they can thrive, um, in a, in an additional year, but, um, the bullpen has to be better, <laughs> even if they're not necessarily competing, for the division next year, you got to have more of some kind of semblance of a bullpen uh, that can keep you in in most games. Um, so we'll we'll have to see how they address that. But so that's kind of the recap of the Nationals. Uh, yeah, been a tough season, um, you know, on uh, as far as record goes. But I personally am excited for the new players coming in, uh, their development, um, and you know, this team has shown heart. And I think that's the main, the, the really important thing is that this team showed a lot of heart and really tried to win games, um, you know, post deadline. Uh, so I, they're, they're exciting. They're, they're, it's definitely actually an exciting team to watch. And I'm hoping that by 2024, this team is really competing. I think that they actually have a chance to be decent if Cade Cavalli, um, and his his development kind of works out to be a solid starter along with Josiah Gray. I think that this rotation could be pretty decent in 2023, uh, but I'm hoping that 2023, 2024, this team really starts to go back into being competitive again um, and, and give uh, fans in D.C. a lot to cheer about. So anyway, uh, that will do it for this episode of the podcast. I appreciate you. Um, 
listening in and hope uh, that you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or any comments or anything about the podcast or anything that you want to address uh, at later times, feel free to reach out to me on uh, Twitter. On Twitter, I am um, at DC Sportscast. That is my handle on Twitter. Uh, also have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com uh, forward slash minor league sports town. Uh, so you can find me there. We even have email address of minor league sports town at gmail.com. So you can uh, write in, leave your comments there. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, want to make this kind of as interactive as a podcast can be. So I uh, would love to hear your thoughts on, on things or uh, further discuss things. Or if you have other topics, I'll, I'll relay comments and, and topics and stuff like that that you will let me know on future episodes of the podcast. So anyway, uh, hope everybody has a great rest of your week and take care.